Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this day, another day to be here in the land of the living. We thank you for your presence that is always among us. We ask you to be with us, and especially those in the greatest of need. On my heart today, specifically, is the people of the Ukraine and the violence, and the uncertainty and instability that they face. Thank you for the political freedom that we have here in the U.S. to live out our faith in fervent and ever-faithful ways. And as an extension of that, bless this holy ministry, Cajun Catholic Radio, so that it can continue to evangelize to all of your people. We pray this through your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Just have a superstar today from a uh, Cajun transplant, I guess you would say, right. huh? That's right. Mr. Absolutely. Rob Tasman, he is the Vice President of Mission at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you so much, Todd. It's great to be with you. Rob and I are going to be good friends because we really have kindred hearts, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, you know, yeah, you've got a Yankee in your midst right now. <laughs> Grew up in New York, just a little bit north of Manhattan, about 20, 25 minutes. Spent about seven years in Boston, living there, going to school there. Went to Boston College as an undergrad. Got a degree in both communications and theology. Then went and taught at an all-boys Catholic high school for two years. Did some coaching. Returned back to Boston College as a grad student. Got a master's degree in theology, specializing in Christian social ethics. And really, the most valuable thing I got there was my wife. <laughs> she nah, is, you got it, you know, Louisiana woman from Baton Rouge. She was up there studying as well. She has a master's degree in religious education and pastoral ministry. And I followed her down to Louisiana and have been here since 2004. And it's been just a, a true blessing in my life to be here in a place where faith is so valued and lived throughout everybody's lives. So coming here in 2004, everything was going to be brand new, including the culture, which was a bit of an adjustment. And I decided to do something I knew. So I went to Catholic High in Baton Rouge, taught there for a full year, but then entered law school at LSU after Katie and I got married. Spent three years there, really kind of became disillusioned by the practice of law. If you can imagine it for three years, you're at a law school, not really even talking about how the law impacts human beings. Mm. So coming straight from theology, where all the discussions are about community and relationships and individuals, it was kind of a stark contrast. But uh, fortunately, by the grace of God, I was able to find a phenomenal place to be able to work called the Louisiana Conference of Catholic bishops. I was there for the last 13 years, starting as their associate director and then leading it as their executive director for the last seven years. And during that time, had some great experiences, but it led me where I am right now. I've had some amazing opportunities to work with the Franciscan missionaries of Our Lady Health System over the course of that time. This opening came up here in Lafayette at Our Lady of Lourdes to be part of the executive team and to be a mission leader. And it was just the right time to make the move. And uh, I've been here a year now, and it's been phenomenal. Prayed often about our interview today and this in this week, and uh, and a lot of things that you have said are so much on my heart. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I'm in the sales business, and it's all about relationships, right? Yeah. And uh, and I think about our faith and how we're constantly selling Jesus to others, or you know, and 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 I hear that in your voice and with some business experience that 
that's that's what's important. Right. I actually am jealous. You went to LSU law school. I wanted to be a lawyer, and I couldn't. <laughs> I didn't have the grades to get in. Uh, and I, and I, and I guess I chose a different path. But uh, so uh, you know, how does your law degree? I mean, how do you you balance just that part of of, of your life with? I guess the, the the Catholic Christian of forgiveness, you know, tell me yeah, a little bit how yeah. you balance those things. Yeah, so that, that's a great question because as you know, you know, law itself is adversarial by nature. So somebody's put it against another and there's usually a winner or a loser in the mix of all that. For me, really, it, it translated beautifully, especially working for all the bishops. That was a unique position. I mean, there's essentially 49, uh, no, I should say 48 because there's two states in the country that don't have a Catholic conference, individuals that are just like you, and that's all mm-hmm. there is. Had the benefit of meeting twice a year with our colleagues, sharing stories, war stories, if you will, about what kind of legislation you faced, what took place during a particular capital or that legislative session. And so, you know, the law degree was wonderful because it equipped me with a sense of being able to get in that environment and still be able to evangelize, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the great gift was that the bishops did not operate from a standpoint of, you know, you're going to make X amount of dollars or not based on whether or not you win or lose an issue. It was more about uh, you were not even necessarily a lobbyist, you were an advocate. So you went down to the Capitol and you said, here's an issue. This is what the Catholic Church teaches. We want you to be aware of that and really want you to pray about it. And in your heart, if you agree, let's vote our way and pass some good laws in this state and have it be reflective of that faith. I am smiling because um, I'm involved with the Louisiana Auto Dealer Association, and, and our executive director, Will Green, who is a future guest on this show, uh, has a deep faith as well. And I love the way that you you, you say you articulate how you uh, and you don't even call it um, lobbying, right? Right. You know, it's right. advocating. But what a great job! I mean, uh, that's beautiful. Because I mean, what I mean, I, I'm jealous. That that is awesome. Give me some of the topics that come came across your desk or something you're proud of that you were able to accomplish that. Yeah, sure. And, you know, for a moment, Will Green's a great guy. I'm glad you're yeah, having well, him on. Yeah. I know him well. know all the players down at the Capitol there. He kind of it's a fraternity, if you will. You yeah. know, he spent so much time down there. But, yeah, honestly, Todd, I think the thing that I was most proud of is that I had the opportunity because I had the backing of the bishops to really kind of expand the issues that we covered, right? So, for much of the time that the conference had existed, which was really in the wake of Roe versus Wade, There were two issues that was focused on. One was funding for Catholic schools throughout the state, and the other was pro-life or anti-abortion, as it should be. Those are two critically important issues. Mm -hmm. But I had the freedom to really expand those, so, you know, we covered then the full purview of issues the church is involved in. We covered criminal justice reform, immigration, health care, access to health care for individuals, certainly maintained our stance on on pro-life, lobbied for education throughout the state, making sure that families had equal access to it, or that they had their fair share of the tax dollars that they were expending in their communities. So, you know, when I left, it was um, it, it was a great time to kind of look out and see what we had been involved in. And, and the reality is in the political world, if you're only dealing with two issues, likely you're only aligning or having a voice with one political party. If you represent the full issues of the church and how that looks, you're going to have a foray into many different conversations, a seat at many different tables. And as the church, that's where you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people used to ask me all the time, what about the separation between church and state? I said, hey, have you ever looked at the list of how many lobbyists there are in the state? Over 400 lobbyists 
for things like Girl Scouts, dental hygienists, and not to knock them, but shouldn't the Catholic Church also have a seat at the table and a voice? And so that was really what it was Amen. about. Amen. Amen. I love that. Um, okay, so looking just over some of, of, of your resume and, and, and places that you've been, I saw your wife went to St. Joseph's. Yes. My wife went to St. Joseph's. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're gonna, your son's going to go to STM. That's great. Yeah. Gonna, he's going to love campus ministry because they, they have it going on over there, really. They do. I, I, one of the things I was uh, suggesting, we need, to, we need to push Lance into getting the uh, senior uh, – the, the campus ministers who are um, Eucharistic ministers yes. to minister at Lourdes. This is something I've been advocating for. I, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and look, we have a real dynamo in the form of Sister Wynn, who is our pastoral care director. She actually just put out a call even to our own employees internally to the hospital that said, look, we know your doctors, we know your nurses, but if you're people of faith as well and you would like to just give an hour of your time during a week, Please serve in that capacity. I mean, you know, the, the hospital is an interesting place. I've really come to appreciate, Todd, I think in the course of this past year, one of the comments I continue to focus on is Pope Francis basically reflecting and saying the institutional church needs to be more like a hospital. Well, w- what does that mean? Well, what it means is when people come to our doors, the first question we ask is what ails you? And we try to set about healing. And if we can't heal, we make sure we care. We make sure we have compassion. It's all rooted in the gospel. It's all faith-based. And so what we don't do is we don't ask the divisive questions, right? When you come into our doors, we don't say, hey, what political party are you? What's your socioeconomic status? What's your faith? We don't even ask that question. Do you have insurance? None of those are asked. It's just, hey, how can we help you? How can we minister to you? And that's what Jesus did, right? I mean, he kind of walked the, the, the roads of his time, and he looked for those who were in need. I think about one of the best stories that, that I always chuckle at is the healing of the blind man. Mm-hmm. right because before he heals the blind man he asks him what would you like and it's like are we dealing with jesus or captain obvious I mean, the, guy, <laughs> the guy's blind right we know what he wants well jesus wasn't so uh, preposterous to think he really knew what he wanted he could see it but he wanted the man to articulate that so he could help him in that time of need so bringing the eucharist to people in rooms what, what an unbelievable gift because nobody is coming to our hospital because they want to be there right they're there because they have something that afflicts them and we're there hoping to step into that space of, of healing and at least care and compassion. Yeah, to jump on that conversation, I think about the lady that had the scraps from the dog and, you know, uh, and the, the soldier that Jesus said, golly, I just can't get over your faith. And I think there's something to articulating. Jesus knows what's in our mind. Right. But for us to verbalize that. Yes. Um, Yes. That's the key, huh? And the power of prayer too, right? I mean, you know, I've come to learn how important and and profound it is to be able to pray for people by name, right? I mean, we we can have prayers that are pretty general, but when we can really articulate and and offer up to our Lord the very specifics of what we're praying for, uh, I think that has a tremendous impact. I love that. So my daughter, as I mentioned, almost out of her theology class. I've taken it with her. I feel like I'm getting a (laughs) theology degree as well. Awesome. But tell me some things through your... Your theology learn uh, your, your education through your degree that that you could relate to someone the layperson that maybe yeah. is not an academic um, some some things that you picked up yeah you know it, it's been interesting uh, because as I've gotten older you know you come out of that uh, field and and it's very academic right and mm-hmm. so I'll share with you just in a real personal space when I came out of that um, and had started my career I felt 
then I knew it. I knew it inside and out. I could tell people certain quotes and relate that. To, but what did that mean for my own prayer life? And frankly, I really struggled with my own prayer life. And so, you know, what I've come to realize is that there's generally 18 inches between your mind and your heart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because those can be the longest 18 inches to make that connection, right? So for me, the constant prayer became get it out of my head and into my heart. And certainly that doesn't mean that the two can't be combined, but those are, I think, some of the things I've learned. So what does that mean? Well, like in Baton Rouge, both my wife and I were very much involved in the Acts ministry in our parish. That's a phenomenal experience for people who may have never had the opportunity or just need a refresh in the opportunity to meet Jesus head on, right? And what that does is it's transformational because it's relational, as you said before. These relationships are what's key. This is how we make the gospel come alive. Um, the, the, The theologians are worthy. I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. Obviously, I still dabble in that field and and try and keep up with it. But at the end of the day, it's personal relationships with first and foremost our God, and then second with our neighbors and those all around us in our community. Yeah, I mean, I have the same struggles, you know, and um, I think about um, someone came on the show recently and said to me, you know, somebody, a priest had suggested to him, stop praying. And I'm going like, what do you mean stop praying? And he, but he continued, he said, and start pleading, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I get that. Like, that's that part where you go from away from your head and more towards your heart. Right. And, uh, and, and I can so relate to that. And especially as it applies to, you mentioned Ukraine. And that's so much on our hearts and minds and souls. And, right. and, uh, and those people are, are pleading. They're not praying. They're that's pleading. right. That's you know, right. We're, we're praying in, in the United States. Ukraine is pleading. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier some of the experiences that you had in mission trips. Both my wife and I were fortunate enough to have that. I went to Mexico as an undergrad, and then I took 25 graduate students to Belize. Those trips were really fascinating because they, by nature, were immersion trips. So we didn't go down there with any notion that we were going to build a school or paint. A, it was literally immerse ourselves in the culture, get to learn from the locals of what their struggles are, what their lives look like. Tremendously faithful people. And so you walk away from that, and it gives you this heightened awareness even back home here, whether it's the U.S. or locally in Lafayette. What are those communities that really are in need? How can I help those individuals out by first learning from them what their reality is? Yeah, I'm going to challenge our listeners. Get get on a mission trip. I mean, it's a life changer. It was for me. I want to mention to uh, uh, um, our listeners, uh, remind them, you're listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Rob Tasman. He is the vice president of mission at Our Lady of Lourdes. What does that mean? What do you do? (laughs) Great. That's the million-dollar question, right? So, you know, still trying to navigate that. I mean, the the fascinating part is I have some flexibility in how to define that, right? But by its definition, it's essentially like, look, we are a Catholic hospital. We're going to be unapologetic about that. So we need to make sure that our Catholic identity is strong in all that we do and that that's lived out. We're a Franciscan spirituality, so we want to make sure that the charism of St. Francis is lived out in the way that we care for patients, that we care for each other as team members in the hospital, and that we care for the community. One of the other things that really interests me is that any issue in the hospital that has to deal with medical ethics is going to get through my office first, and we're going to process that in the ways that we do. And again, that's ensuring that we abide by the ethical and religious directives of the Catholic Church which is the, the ethical framework that we need to make sure we're you know maintaining our Catholic identity. 
Um, one of the things, though, Todd, that I've really come to enjoy, and, and, and frankly, having the opportunity to know Bishop Desitel real well has helped tremendously. That's and, my man. Yeah, oh, he's a phenomenal shepherd, truly phenomenal shepherd. And, you know, it's making sure that we have alignment with our Catholic partners, and there's no better partner than the diocese itself, right? So mm-hmm. we talk a lot in healthcare about, well, we want to be the leader or the winner in certain service lines, like CV or ortho and neuro. And, and I said, look, I want to be the winner and the leader in Catholic healthcare, and if we don't have on board first our priests, our deacons, employees of the diocese, the bishop himself, if they're not comfortable, we're not going to get to that point. So mm-hmm. we've said about that in the past, the course of the this past year, and I think we've had some great success, which has been good. So I'm hearing this is tell me if this is wrong, but uh, like you connect the faith life of the Catholic Church to the hospital, and I guess. Correct. Pretty much like that. Correct, yeah. Okay, that's nice. And we want to make sure that 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 extends. My emphasis, too, to to kind of build off the conversations we've had already is to make sure that mission goes beyond the walls of just the facilities that we have, right? So, like, Lourdes has these unbelievable clinics. One is in Northside High, um, a full-functioning medical clinic. Of course, because we are Catholic, we can't do certain things that others might do, and that's just fine. We're never going to try to violate that but we can still serve a population very well. You think about that dynamic, I mean, it's a public high school and yet a Catholic facility inside of it caring for its students. So I remind people too, you know, in mass, we recite the creed and we say we're one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That Catholic is with a lowercase c meaning universal. So we really need to expand ourselves beyond the walls of our facility. We need to be apostolic in nature by taking up our walking stick and going out to the people where they are meeting their needs. And we do that also too with St. Bernadette's, which is right in the heart of downtown and the homeless population, fully functioning medical clinic also has a pharmacy in the back, a state of the art dental clinic where, um, because the homeless population doesn't get great dental care through the course of their lives, we're really doing extractions there and then partnering those patients with phenomenal professionals locally who provide them dentures and then are able to kind of get them back to a point where they're fully functioning. Yeah, I've toured that facility. It's phenomenal. And uh, I think that that Lourdes, if I could recommend, they need to say that constantly in their branding. We're a Catholic we're a Catholic hospital. And I think you couldn't say that probably enough. And only in, in Northside High School, like you mentioned, only in, only in Cajun country could that happen. That's right. You know, That's there, right. There's no doubt about that. Tell me, um, you're from New York, New Jersey area. Um, where did your faith come from? Uh, so, yeah, great question. You know, um, my mom was someone, and, and fortunately she's still with us, so I still have the blessing of both she and my father and my one sibling, a sister. But my mom was the one who took us to church every Sunday, and she really carried on that faith in the strongest of ways. She still has it so vibrantly today and so beautifully. It, it, it's a gift amongst our family. I went to public school all my life until finally high school and went to an all-boys Catholic high school called Don Bosco Prep in Ramsey, New Jersey a bit of a football powerhouse these days. They were not by any stretch of the imagination when I was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, just a great place with very strong Salesian priests who provided opportunities, right? I mean, I think that's the thing. In our faith, um, you know, outsiders sometimes think that we proselytize or that we try and ram it down people's throats. The, the beauty of our faith, I say two things about it, one of which is it's so broad and wide-sweeping that it can fit almost any charism, right? So, I mean, if you're more traditional and you like Latin Mass, there's still going to be a place for you. Mm-hmm. If you're more progressive, and I hate to use those terms, there's going to be a place that has a lot of social justice outreach ministries, and you can find your home. So, to me, that's the beauty. It's still all-encompassing of people. 
And then the second thing is, it's about providing the opportunities for people to really explore their faith in healthy ways. And so that's what high school was for me. You know, the way that I came upon the theology major in uh, Bo- at Boston College was literally senior year. I had taken all the courses but one for communications. I looked at my senior year and said, well, I guess I could take a bunch of frivolous electives. But if somebody asked me, and I was very involved in campus ministry, why I do what I do or why I believe what I believe, I don't know I could give them a sufficient answer. So I went about the theology major and pretty much did it the entirety of my senior year, and it's just been a, a phenomenal gift. Yeah, I can tell you, you definitely were touched somewhere along the way in your life, no doubt. I can yeah. see that in your eyes and in your in your, in your speech. Um, we have another little connection. Um, I see you have some, some Jesuit connections. I, <laughs> I, I go to uh, Manresa every year, yeah. and, and my um, retreat leader, I believe, was Judge Schott. And oh, I don't yeah. know if that's the same shot I see. Is that your that is absolutely uncle or it sure is. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and just a you know, I'll tell you a sweet story about that. So yes, Judge Shot is the brother of Reverend Paul Shot, a Jesuit priest who's buried out at Grand Coteau. He passed away on Thanksgiving about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, he officiated the wedding of my wife and I. He baptized two of our four boys just a phenomenal presence in all of our lives and uh and the sweet story about that now is when we pray at the dinner table we um you know say grace of course and then i joke around it's almost like a litany of saints at the end you know but it's uh (laughs) um uh saint john of course associated with cathedral pray for us um queen of peace is a uh an old petition that my wife's family always had so we say pray for us and now the boys say, because they were so close to him, they say, St. Uncle Paul, pray uh, for us. Know. And that's Uncle Paul shot. So I love that. So yeah. we feel like, Katie and I feel like moving to Lafayette, being that close even to Grand Coteau, we feel like certainly we're on sacred ground. Yeah. And, and so another little connection. I, I recently had a gentleman on the show that, um, that, did, that did ministry at um, Angola. And he, yeah. did, he does death row ministry, but I know that's something you guys are involved in. Tell me about that. So. Yeah, very much so. You know, that, that kind of happened uh, organically and was certainly a movement of the spirit, Todd. So Katie, when she moved back home, she started working full time at St. George Catholic Church, being a third and fourth grade religion teacher. We then started uh, our family, and um, she then transitioned over into the parish and was sort of the public school religion facilitator and the confirmation facilitator. And she had the opportunity to really link up with a phenomenal guy by the name of Jay Jackson, who was our um, permanent Catholic deacon out there at Angola. And the two of them decided, I'm not sure which idea it was, but they decided that they were going to have the confirmation retreat for St. George Parish at Angola put on by the inmates. Mm -hmm. You can imagine year one, many parents are thinking, I'm not letting my high school right. student go out to Angola. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and it just turned out to be a phenomenal ministry and really lit both Katie and I on fire about that. Um, you go out there, it's the inmates themselves. Of course, they've met all kinds of criteria. They're just on fire about their faith. And they put on the the retreat. And, and look, to this day, one moment in particular just absolutely stuns me. This is a a gentleman who was sentenced to life as a juvenile because he had killed another juvenile based out of New Orleans, but just had, you know, really reflected on that, prayed about that during the course of his life, really turned himself over to the Lord, given himself as a servant. This guy on that day is the Eucharistic minister who hands me the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So you think about that dynamic, right? The hands that have killed 
are now the hands that are literally stewarding the body of Christ into another individual. Uh, just, I mean, just speaks to the to the richness of reconciliation. What it can mean to be someone who just completely puts themselves over into the Lord's hand. Yeah, um, just a few minutes left on the show. I call that a supernatural. You know, that's a supernatural experience. But I heard you say you you, you caught the movement of the Spirit, and that caught my attention. I, I want to know. Tell me in your life how how do you how does the Holy Spirit communicate with you? Yeah, you know, in in small ways, in small ways, right? I mean, I think about the scripture quote where he doesn't appear in the earthquake, he doesn't appear in the loud sounds, it's in the whisper of the winds, and and that's really where it's been. I mean, you know, look, I'll get very raw with you for a second. Most recently, and I think there's there's no doubt that it's led to where we are right now, being here in Lafayette, but most recently, almost three years ago, I got into a really bad car accident in Baton Rouge. I got hit from the back, pushed across double yellow lines, got hit head-on, Woke up on the passenger side door of my vehicle, mm. had four broken ribs, two spinal fractures, lost pretty much 75% of my right ear that they had to reconstruct and put back on. When I woke up in the car, I was knocked out. I heard a voice. The voice was not human. And it said, wake up. And it got louder and louder and louder. And to me, that was the voice of God. It was the voice of God saying, you still have work to do. And please Please. So then I connect with Uncle Paul Schott, mm-hmm. Father Paul, who says to me, you know, people would say, well, I guess, you know, God has a different plan for you. He says in his Jesuit way, he says very gruffly, you must still have something to figure out. <laughs> and I love that because you combine wake up, wake up to the reality of our lives, wake up to the fact that Christ is always there and amongst you. And then what do you still have to figure out? And so I think that's led me to being right here at Lord's right now, trying something new and, and trying to carry on the spirituality with others. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you already answered the question, but was that a factor in the decision coming here? It was, yeah. it was, you know, because everything was great at the Louisiana Conference of Catholic Bishops. It was a wonderful opportunity, but it was also a place that I had come to know incredibly well. And so mm-hmm. I'm not someone who really likes to rest. And uh, there's a sense of restlessness that I think is good when we challenge ourselves my, my notion, too, is that, you know, God doesn't really just create us to survive. He creates us to thrive. Mm-hmm. So we've got to push ourselves to get to that point where we're truly utilizing the gifts and talents he bestows us uh, with, uh, you know, for the greater community. I love that. Uh, so tell me if there's a particular Bible verse or character that, that, that you relate to. Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think maybe because that, that experience of the accident is, uh, is still fresh in terms of how it's informing my faith and the way that I pray. It's the, the story of Jesus telling the man who's been paralyzed, take up your mat and walk. You know, when I was in the hospital for uh, three days, I really didn't know if I, I could walk because all I could do was wiggle my toes. But when those occupational therapists came in and they lifted me out of the bed and they said, let's, you know, here's a walker, let's get down the hall. I mean, it was it was just an unbelievable wave of emotions to know that I was going to be able to do that again. I think mentally I'd prepared myself that I might not be able to. And it was an overwhelming feeling of thanksgiving to our Lord who can do all things. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
so recently, I, I think that's the way I'd answer it is take up your mat and walk. And I think you can think about that in many, many different ways. Yeah, I mentioned to you we had gone to the Holy Land, and that's one of the, the Bible scenes that actually went to that spot. Uh, Lisa said, you know, that um, that they pretty much lowered the, the paralytic into the yeah. uh, into the room. And we went to that spot. It's near near the sea, and it was something else. I bet it was. Very, very moving. I bet it was. Yeah, so uh, again, um, just just a minute or so, what, what, what else do you feel like God has put on your agenda? You know, obviously, he set you in a direction. Yeah, you know, I just we're just kind of taking it day by day and and seeing how it comes to me. I mean, Lords has got big plans in the community, really trying to rehab our women's and children's centers so that we can serve the beginning of life and making sure that our women are comfortable and honored in doing that and making sure that our children are taken care of in the area as well. Yeah. So it's an exciting project. And along those lines, I think there's a Ronald McDonald House maybe yes. going in there, and that's my friend Chris, and I'm yeah. so proud of them. I think that's coming real soon. So yeah. just thank you so much for being on the show. I look forward to a long relationship with you. You're a great guy, and uh, and I know you have a, a wonderful family, and uh, you're a blessing to Acadiana. I'm so glad you're now a Cajun Catholic. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for the invitation to be on with you. I appreciate it. Good. Uh, well, you've been listening to Cajun Catholics with Rob Tasman. He is the Vice President of Mission at Our Lady of Lewards Hospital, uh, and again, uh, we always uh, challenge our Catholics out there to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you.